0: okay okay okay
1: all right okay we're back from outer space i just walked in to find you here
0: uh to tell you about with that, well, that sad, sad look, look, look your upon face. your face come on
1: okay anyway we're back this is episode 100 of the carmudgeon show my name is jason camisa his name is derek Tim hyphen scott <laughs>
0: i'm now speaking yiddish yeah, you're speaking Yiddish. Fine,
1: it's fine don't get verklempt uh and today we're here to talk about the lotus emura mm-hmm. and the lotus elettra the suv which i also drove and the avora and the elise
0: and the exige and
1: probably a little bit about my how to
0: beat too because i can't oh yes. stop complaining about that yeah yes because it's just trying to beat you down All right, with the puns. This is part of the Haggerty Podcast
1: Network. Indeed. If you uh, would like to help support these types of videos and podcasts, you can join the Haggerty Drivers Club. It includes a subscription to our award winning magazine, unlimited access to our valuation tool, 24 7 flatbed roadside assistance, free classified listings, exclusive coupons and offers, and early access and VIP perks to select Haggerty events. More info in the link below. And also, by the way, we will be doing a live Carmudgeon recording. Does that happen after this?
0: Uh, yeah. no.
1: When does this episode go live? This episode it goes, goes live.
0: live next Monday.
1: And yeah, so we can tell that people that we will yes. be live at the Detroit Concourse This Saturday. This Saturday, um, doing a live the episode of, of the Carmudgeon yeah. Show. Yeah. Uh, and you can probably ask us questions, um, which also means people who aren't in Detroit should probably uh, get ready to do, to ask us questions also, because we should do another Ask Me Anything Wow. Shall episode.
0: we make this the time? Why put not? your questions in the comments.
1: Put your you know, put your mm-hmm. G rated questions in the comments. Yes. DM Derek. No, 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 X-rated no, I don't question. want any of this. <laughs> nope, no, no, no. Put them in the
0: comment section on YouTube. That's I, the only place we'll look. So don't DM them to us or send carrier pigeons or any of that. YouTube's comment section. Carrier pigeons. That's piddins, the place. Yes,
1: that happens all the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. If we don't specify, we're gonna get a freaking pigeon cloud. Uh, Bird shit Uh, on our bird shit and questions, (laughs) which we don't want. (laughs) Okay, Uh, let's get this show on the road. Uh, You know what you have to do. Ah, first, fuck.
1: And I had so much cyanuric acid in there that it was rendering the chlorine ineffective, and the only way, the only thing to do at that point is dump it. So. Now it. the bays on fire because
0: you put it because <laughs> you <laughs> dumped that water in it. <laughs> no, it's right. It,
1: it was I mean it's still less chlorine in it than uh, a swimming pool like a public swimming pool which would be 20 to 30 parts per million. I see. Um however, we're not here to talk about water chemistry. We are here uh, at the Carmudgeon show and I'm sleep deprived, so <laughs> I take no responsibility for what I say.
0: From uh
1: Pond maintenance. Just yard maintenance. I ran spe- new wires for speakers at the end of my property because, you know, you should walk out of your house and not be blasted with speakers mounted on the house. You should walk out of your house and be graced with sound coming from okay. the beyond, great beyond. You and have so a
0: backyard. Huh? I have a That's backyard. That's nice.
1: So do you. Nominally, yes. Okay, let's see. It's A1. Anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about ponds. We're here to talk about low Things tie. from across the pond. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Uh, Shall we do the entire episode with a British accent?
0: I think some Brightons would probably uh, commit suicide if they had to Mm -hmm. listen to that.
1: Probably. Um, Is that a bad thing? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, uh, that was my attempt at dry British humour. Anyway, Lotus's is is. Yes. We have driven in a Mira.
0: Yes, the same one, in fact. At the same time. Well, (laughs) we
1: we were in the same car at the same time, but we drove it... uh,
0: we did not uh, drive it at the same time. That's true. Fuck, I need a I need an app.
1: Um, should we dive into this or should we just go back and talk about Evora and the evolution of Evora?
0: Or we could do an entire whole ass lotus episode.
1: True, because we also I drove the Elettre. Yes. I don't know how to pronounce that in English. That yeah, sounds e- right. E letter. E letter? Elet e E-let- Electra.
0: I think people are just gonna say, end up saying Electra. Electra. Like the other word in English,
1: yeah. So the Electra is the electric SUV. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we can talk about let's let's what's so we've talked about Elise Exige in the past. You've mm-hmm. had a lot of experience one. I own one. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the purest sports car in the world. P- period. Full stop. Um, what's your experience with Evera?
0: I've driven one only, in uh, twelve years ago, almost twelve years ago. Um, my ex had an Exige, so I had a bunch of seat time in the Exige. It was a naturally aspirated Exige. It was a 2006, the only year of the Exige being naturally aspirated. So I had a shitload of time in the Exige. Uh, and then we went to look at the Evora, uh, and I liked it better, generally. Uh, it's a car. Than the exige Yeah, the exige and also the, the noise. Uh, yeah. I'm very sensitive to car noises, and to me, the engine, the four-cylinder engine in all of those cars, you know if it's not a honda k-swap is not a sort of centerpiece of the experience
1: you know what's wild so we we were both in that series one elise with the, with the k-swap mm-hmm. and pff, i would sell my car for that in a second that experience in a series two elise. yeah um But I just also drove another Series Two, naturally aspirated at least, with an intake and an exhaust on it, Mm. and it was every bit as
0: spicy as that Honda.
1: Ninety-six percent of the experience. Really? Yeah. So,
0: oh, that's a cheap way. It's a lot cheaper than doing a case swap.
1: Yeah. I keep thinking, well, sell my Supercharged one and buy a naturally aspirated one. The problem is I have the digital dash and I'm not going. So I upgraded to Lotus together with AIM or AIM. I don't know how it's mm-hmm. pronounced. Uh, made a digital drop-in plug-and-play digital dash. For and it
0: was car. such a pain in the ass that you're not willing to do the installation again?
1: It actually almost put me in the hospital. Um, running one of the wires, my arm got trapped.
0: tonight. Yes, yeah, I think I, you have recounted, have the recounted the this, Yeah,
1: but anyway, it was an extrusion and it was sharp and my arm got stuck. And I had to call a friend who's a nurse because I, was, I had blood pouring down my arm. And it was... It was fucking nightmare anyway i'm not doing that again um so So i I, guess you have
0: to take the supercharger off yours (laughs) (laughs) it's a sc delete um anyway you'd rather do an engine swap (laughs) than buy another car and do the i'm not doing any more fucking
1: engine swaps i just let let, let's talk about japanese engines for a second Mm. my beat Mm -hmm. it's adorable Mm -hmm. fuck that car just fuck that car fuck honda fuck soichiro fuck k cars I like it it's a lot of fun we talked about on a previous episode that a friend got in it and drove it and i think money shifted it because the timing belt jumped two teeth i think we mentioned everything it's been so long ago that we recorded that i boroscoped it there was no piston valve contact everything is totally fine there's a spring that pretensions the timing belt um, that got chewed up when the belt flapped around Other than that, no carnage. So I put the whole goddamn thing back together with a new belt and new new pulleys, new water pump, new everything. Starts, runs perfectly. As soon as I go to take it for a drive, starts running like shit. Oh, no. It throws a check engine light.
0: Oh, this we have not discussed.
1: Mm, Yeah. throws a check engine light. I'm like, what do you want? And so because check engine lights can flash out codes, I'm like, this is amazing. Yes. And it flashes a code for the cam position sensor, which Honda calls the cylinder position sensor. And okay, the last time I put it all back together, I had a problem where I clicked the sensor in, but I didn't fully click the connector in like it wasn't a full positive click. I'm like, oh, okay, no, it's just doing it again. So I turn it off. I pull the connector out. I push it back in. It doesn't really want to go, but I got it in, started it. Same code comes back. I spent 45 minutes fighting with this thing. I put contact cleaner on it that made it click in super nice and easily, but the code kept coming back. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I just don't care. So I start the car and now to drive it home from my shop and the light goes off. I'm like, okay, Honda fixed itself. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I started moving, it misses really badly. It, stumbled, it It sounds and feels like it's running on two cylinders of the three until you hit 3000 RPM. If you're under any load, it's and then pulls to 85. Like it's nothing. Of course, I panic like, oh no, I'm off a fucking tooth. On the timing belt um so I, I drove it for a while i'm like let me just exercise this thing and see if i can you know see if it's like it seemed ignition drove it was not ignition uh, well i drove it i brought it home i pulled the whole ignition system apart put it all back together s- still doing it and then on the on the drive home i said fuck it i'll just drive it you know i'll stay over three grand and what you have to on the car anyway and the light was off until i got to a stoplight and then boom check engine light comes on when the check engine light comes on, the Honda works perfectly. When the yeah. check engine light's off, it stumbles.
0: The fuck? What in I wish tarnation? I drank,
1: and I wish this would, was vodka because I was.
0: Uh, so did what? you replace the cam position sensor?
1: Guess what you have to do to replace the timing cams. belt. Yeah, I got to pull the whole belt off again. This will be the fourth time.
0: I was trying to be funny. No, fortunately (laughs) not. So
1: once it arrives from Japan, I will have to pull the fucking timing belt off. So what I think is happening is the sig it's getting a bad signal from the ghetto. I know. Well, hold on. But it's getting a bad signal from the crank position sensor, or the, the cam position sensor, which again, cylinder position sensor. So it knows how fast the engine's turning from a hall center in the distributor. So it knows RPM, but it doesn't know position. And so my theory is that when it has both inputs, it runs sequential fire fuel injection. So it it just fires the injector at the right time. Without that cylinder position sensor, it doesn't know where the engine is, just the RPM and load, and so it'll go batch fire and just fire all all three of them regularly. How I does can't,
0: that do to your fuel economy? It,
1: you make a little bit more power and a little bit better fuel economy and a little bit less emission, better emissions when you're when you're sequential fire. So you know most cars do that, but they do have a batch fire backup, and that's I think what's happening. So I think it's getting a, a fuzzy signal, like a shit quality signal. And uh, at low RPM, when timing is really, you know, more important, there's much bigger gaps. Um, and then once the computer says, oh, fuck it, that's broken and I'll, I'll ignore it. And then it just goes back to batch fire. It's fine. Um, my theory is that, so when the timing belt jumped on the last one, the sp- it chewed up the spring, that pretensions, the tensioner, and I'm, I'm going to be willing to bet one of the pieces of spring is stuck to the <coughs> magnetic cam position sensor mm-hmm. so i could probably just pull it off pull, you know, clean the hole clean it and put it back in and it'll be fine but if i'm pulling the belt off i'm going back in with new parts
0: so so are you um, going to put another new timing belt in
1: uh, well same belt i mean yes. same belt i can okay. untim- uh, untension it but the other thing that's very annoying is the other
0: one you had to replace because the spring marred chewed the belt. out a little bit yeah yes.
1: Um, and it still probably would have been fine, but I wasn't taking it. No, a I mean, if you're going to you know, go through the trouble. Yeah. Um, but the, the weird part is that the procedure to time that car, I think I mentioned that it might've been my, that I thought it might've been my fault that I, the belt was too loose because you put the tensioners on the one side, um, of the belt, uh, of the, of the belt and the tension side where the crank is actually pulling the camshaft is on the other side. Um, and the idea is you set it up, the, ten, the spring puts the correct amount of tension on it. You tighten it down, and it's done. And from that point on, the spring is worthless. But you, while the spring is there, you t- turn the engine over a couple times just to make sure it's not in the middle of a, a spot where the the cam is trying to run away faster than the crank is. And I I did that the first time, turned it over three times, and then you they it wants you to pull the tent the spring away and let the tensioner poof, right onto the belt. I did that procedure and then my theory was that I spun the engine in the wrong direction because everything I've ever worked on spins clockwise and this spins counterclockwise. Well, I did it the second time and I did it exactly according to the service manual procedure and it was exactly as loose as it was. Mm. I, ref- I will not... So I did it and I'm like, this is crazy. Undid it, put the belt back on, retention it. I did it three times and it just kept coming out so loose that I could turn it, twist it more than 90 degrees on its longest side and that is like... Not okay. So as it turns out, my buddy Bill Arnold, who I've mentioned a million times, who works on BMW, was next door and I called him over. I'm like, hey Bill, would you just take a look at this? Is would you run this? And he was like, I wouldn't even start that that loose. Mm. So I manually just put a little bit more tension on on the tension or tighten it down. It's fine. But okay. But now I have to pull it all apart again. That's it. And fun. it's like I think if nothing went wrong, I could do it in four hours. But There was one bolt that took me an hour to start because there's maybe an inch and a half between the engine and the frame rail and the bolt is maybe an inch and a quarter. And so, and it's a tiny little, like, it's an M6 probably or M4 with a very, very fine thread. So you have to get it perfectly on to get it like perfectly perpendicular to get it Mm -hmm. started. But it's going through a, a flexible heat shield and when you get your hand up there, the only way I could do it was both of my hands in between, put the screw in between my two index fingers and start to turn it like this and drop it on my face 700 times. But to get my hand in between the engine and, and i.e. the heat shield and the frame rail, I was deforming the fucking heat shield. It, now I know why no one ever puts that heat shield back on. Mm. Like, fuck. Why did you? Fuck, because I do things the right way. It, I can't not but a heat on it's directly above the cat anyway anyway uh, long story short little cars big problems because they're a pain in the ass to work on there's no room Um, but I digress Toyota the, engine the Lotus is almost as bad to work on really I, th- I think it's the only my Elise is the only car that has ever made me actually cry Um, I was so frustrated once that like I wasn't going to throw something because I that's bad you it Things that you throw bounce off of walls and hit other shit, um, but it's really difficult to work on the car. I think the beat might be might be worse.
0: Uh, yeah. Anyway, so everybody go buy a Lotus. Um, this is apparently the yeah. um, or the
1: Ferrari, the three hundred eight. I have three mid-engine cars. This is the stupidity. But the three hundred eight is at least there's there's room for There's most quite a things. bit of space. Yeah, it's badly engineered Basically. and terribly executed, but there's room versus the Honda, which is beautifully engineered and executed, but there's no room. Mm-hmm um but uh yeah that's no more engine swaps i don't want to do anything i don't want to touch anything anymore i just want to drive my cars um so Evora. i've driven 11 of them 11 according to the sheet i've driven a 2011 well <laughs> that's I it also did my first one was in april of 11 uh, oh, 11. Oh, so 11. you so you apparently drove yours pretty early on
0: yeah it was december of 11
1: um they, so I went back through, through the notes and I like the Avora. fine. It's, it's never been perfect. Um, it started but out. You
0: always talk about how you don't want perfect cars.
1: Okay. Perfect. Is the wrong word. It is not insane enough of an experience to justify the compromises that you have to make. And overall, it's easier to choose and live with a Porsche Boxster, for example, than an than an Avora. The early cars were naturally aspirated. That that Toyota Camry V six is beautiful, I and mean, it makes the most glorious noises.
0: Um, I think that's what made me fall in love with that car, especially after listening to the Exige for all that time. Marbles on a blender. Yeah, really miserable noises. Yeah. And it, this was this one. I think had it had an exhaust might have had an intake too Mm, uh i I just i was just like this is it this is amazing like it still feels life and sports car-y and agile but the interior is nicer it's much more spacious and it sounds like sex so i was just super super keen on the evora experience i would give that i had
1: from the factory i'd give the engine a solid six in sound it was okay but You can do major mm, mm, things, major improvements improvements with minor adjustments. Um, but I thought I would give the steering a nine and a half or ten. It was talkative on center and then beautifully communicative all times. The shifter was wretched. I mean, the I I
0: literally have no memory at all of the shifter, but I'm also used to driving like 50s cars, which
1: even if you do, I mean, a lot of 50s cars feel like you know you're stirring oats with a wooden spoon. This one ground every one of the early ones uh, they would grind going into second always. We actually blew up two transmissions testing in early Avora. Um that, the Motor Trend guy test guys did it for us when I was at Automobile we were sister magazines and we've just sent it to them and he, he blew two trannies and, and everything. It just will not ex- act, He bent the second gear shift fork was, was what happens. And you cannot rush that one, two shift. It doesn't want to do it and you can grind it in and bench it. Um, but the early cars had these weird stainless steely looking buttons that were backlit. So they were like etched out and backlit. And you couldn't read a single one of them in the mm. daylight. They reflected sunlight right in your face. Um, and I just remember like the stereo was kind of shitty. And like it was aftermarkety, And the interior was cool. But the car was a pain in the ass to get in and out of. There was no dead pedal of room for your left leg. Um, the shifter was awful. And then the chassis was
0: brilliant. And the powertrain. And the, power the train. engine. And the engine was nice. Pleasurable.
1: Then they supercharged it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became much faster. Um,
0: but the leg room did not improve, no. nor did the shifter.
1: A shifter did. They did an update in, I don't know, don't quote me, on year t- 13 or something. Um, but, because I remember that they did an update to the interior and an update to the shifter. Unless I'm... It was just interior. But my notes were like, well, shifter's not as bad as I remember. Um,
0: but it's still bad. But it
1: was, wasn't was great, but it worked. And the, they did update the interior, especially when they came out with the 400 and then the GT. Yeah. And so that was the 400 horsepower and 410 horsepower, late one. Um, that shifter went from being terrible to, I'd call it good. Um, the engine went from sounding good to, holy shit, like from a 6 to a 9.7 um there was an op- optional titanium exhaust that just screamed mm-hmm. um the interior was usable the buttons were easy to find i mean didn't have a back seat no real trunk all the rest of the shit um but that was the car that i decided evora was the only sports car left on the market everything else that it competed against was a supercar or a hypercar it was just you know after numbers and this was the experience
0: in that yeah in the like above miata yeah 86 yeah price
1: point um yeah that was a car that we had at road and tracks performance car of the year testing and you know we had a mclaren 600 lt there and um we had a, a Huracan uh perfum- i think it was a it was whatever it was had the rear wheel steer i'll never forget that it was amazing um, and the the lotus was just in a different league in terms of the experience other than the mclaren
0: enjoyment yeah. just in terms of like spirited yeah. enjoyment yeah
1: but the one thing that i noticed as i went through my notes is the steering started out as a 10 and gradually became like a good 4 it, 4 yeah it for for re, uh, that's harsh that's harsh 6 but it it got progressively more numb mm. and progressively less talkative on center mm-hmm. um and and the shifter got progressively better the engine got sounded better uh and the interior got better but there was never the
0: all of the one. magic all in the same time at, right. in this in available in the same yep. car
1: so i would have never bought one and i didn't I mean, I shouldn't say I I, didn't, I wouldn't have. I recommended one to my boss uh, when I was at Run Track. He did buy it and he liked it, but he didn't love it. And then that was a, I think it was an NA early car. And then after I drove the... 400 i'm like you need to get a gt like no question about it And he's like i fucking had this i'm done it doesn't matter like i don't need to go back and experience this car again and he test drove one and bought it on the spot (laughs) uh it had fixed all of the complaints that he had um but to me then then, then the steering wound up being like annoying and and but is that the
0: only real uh fly ointment Ointment no there was
1: traction control weirdness at the end where if you tried to left foot brake um especially on gas Um, to try to induce a little bit of rotation because they understeer like many mid-engine cars do. Until they don't. Yeah, until they snap out and try to kill you. It would slap you on the wrist, but it was a full two-second throttle cut. So you're on track, like, you know, you get on the way in the corner, you finally get the car to rotate on the way in and you go for the gas and nothing, 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 press, 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 and then it wakes up and throws you fucking sideways. Mm. And what it did was anytime you got that throttle cut out, um, it also turned traction and stability fully back on. And so it ruined.
0: Messing around with buttons and shit, and the car is not. Yeah, it's just not doing doing what what you want you
1: to do. And ultimately, you're going to friggin' spin it because, you know, you're trying to induce a slide and then you can't carry through. Um, So it never ticked all of the box. Like, it never got perfect.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And now we have the Amira. Plus, the Avora looked like a friggin' Tesla Roadster to me, always.
0: Yeah, it's pleasant to look at, but it's not. it's not heartrendingly beautiful.
1: No, it had the coolest detail was the way the the roof touched the rear fender. There was a, yes. a like a quadrant, like a spot where there where the pillar looked like it went down to like a millimeter yes. thick. Yes.
0: Uh, and Zagato did the same thing on one of their like probably two thousands Ferrari concept cars. Mm. And I just think it's the coolest thing on earth. pegaso yeah. also did it in the nineteen fifties. Mm. It's awesome uh but yes i agree with that yeah but it, it looks special i think it's more interesting than a porsche right just by virtue of it not being a porsche it's got some benefit
1: okay i'll give you that i'll give you that i probably always would have bought a. I would certainly have bought an evora the later evora over a 981 boxster or cayman like no question those especially the the cylinders. and the force cylinders. forget it's not even like yeah. you know i don't that's not a car it's not a porsche it deserves to be lit on fire um but the even the six owner ones eh, they were fine um but i would have had an Avore because of specialness Mm -hmm. yamira i'm going to let you talk now because i've hijacked this episode
0: um the standard of care that i use when evaluating a driver's car is uh tight bumpy roads and we had the pleasure of using this car on a tight, bumpy road. <laughs> we were in Monterey for Car Week, and they were staging out of the Quail, for those of you who have been there. And so, of course, everyone goes up Lorales Grade, uh, which is a fast, smooth, sweeping road. Uh, we did not With do a that. big climb and With a big descent. With a big climb and a big descent, correct. We did not do that. Nope. We went out Carmel Valley Road, which <laughs> is really gnarly and narrow and blind corners and... Bumpy and uh, just generally pretty fucked. Uh, exactly Completely the, fucked. Exactly the type of road that I like to hustle a car on. It's the kind of car that I would never take the GT3 touring on because I know it would tear the front splitter yeah. off of and would be like GTI every day, all day. So you're like, let's go out this road. And I was like, mm, you want to do this in a mid-engined car like that's low? I just I don't think it's going to be good. Oh,
1: you poor deluded boy. You was, don't know lotuses on bumpy b roads.
0: Yeah, it was uh, magical. It was really, really fantastic. It's doing exactly the type of thing that mid-engine sports cars, or supercars, are terrible poor at. at. Yeah. So I was immediately just won over by that characteristic.
1: You kept doing the crash position, assuming the crash position in the front seat when I was driving, because I would like turn into a uh, to a corner and we'd be able to see through it, and there would be these huge swells and bumps and your knee kept like hitting the dashboard like no oh! you're bracing in for impact and it never happened.
0: Yeah, and that is not a like I think we're going to die. It's a I think we're going to tear part of the car oh, off yeah. reaction.
1: Um yeah, there so to put this in perspective just how how well that car did. I don't think I told you this, but I sent Larry, the one who owns an Avora, out in onto Carmel Valley Road. He was driving a Z06 Corvette. Um, and they are stiff yeah. that new zero six is stiff and he was like well there are no good roads around i'm like bullshit there's carmel valley road and he's like isn't that like fucked with traffic and bumpy and i'm like it's bumpy but it separates the men from the boys and i think corvette's dynamic team is good enough that they'll be okay and in the past i've been there i think i told you the story where um mm, yes. I, I was in a ST, <clears throat> sti and subaru's pr head is this like he's just a fucking masochist um but he loves he loves to torture journalists he loves to torture Charles cars but he knows his shit and so he would always do um he always does like stis and wrx's on that road because they're fucking uncatchable and yeah. uh i was in a we, there was a Mustang launch there once. That was a big fuck up by, by the Ford team because we all almost fucking died. Um, but this STI launch was like ridiculous. The car could just do 60 miles an hour through this like, you know, it's a 55 Complex. zone. Complex of fucking jumps, bumps, bumps, just stupidity. And I caught a Viper. Um,
0: you caught up with a Viper, I, just some guy out for a drive.
1: Some poor motherfucker out for a drive. And I'm on him because I would like to move by him at a very high rate of pace. A uh, very high rate of speed, and there's a left-hand bend into like a bridge that has a big foot, like a like a step up yeah. onto the bridge, and then very narrow, and then there's a right-hand turn past there. It's like straight on the bridge, and then it's a hairpin ride. It's a fucking hairy, complex, and we come in, and the the viper hits that whoop and just spins, mm. does a complete three sixty in his path, in his like. on the bridge maybe missing both walls by a foot on either side and i you know pull up next to him when he pulls over and i'm like you okay and he was like yeah i'm like see you bye i mean this is the type of road that destroys cars like this
0: yeah
1: larry turned around on the z06 he didn't even make it to the bridge he made it he was like it's scraping it's bumping it's like i'm gonna destroy this car gm's gonna kill me i gotta go we went out full bore with absolutely no regard to let's avoid the bump or let's, it's going to scrape under full lateral G's on this half jump in the middle of a corner.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I take back everything I said about mid-engine cars not being suited to that type of use because the car did brilliantly in that.
1: Yeah. And the, the so this was a V6 launch edition. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, because they division. come with the multiple yeah. transmissions and multiple powertrains. You get a Mercedes four cylinder that's turbocharged mm-hmm. or the Toyota V6 yep. and, mean, and with or without a manual. Yeah.
1: And so this was the Toyota V6 manual uh, and Pilot Sport Cup 2 tires. Mm-hmm. So the grip level was just genuinely stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, did we ever actually? Slide around a corner?
0: No, I, but you seemed like you were concerned that that might happen while I was driving. <laughs> I mean, I'm a terrible passenger, but that
1: fucking grip level is just ridiculous. Just, yeah, the car was dynamically magical yeah. um, on that road. Steering. Um, okay. So I pride myself on the ability to move a car two feet and tell you if it's got power, uh, electric power steering or hydraulic power steering. Mm-hmm. And we moved two feet. I'm like, oh, it's hydro. Right. And there, in my defense, on the internet are many mentions from in reviews of hydraulic steering on this car and many mentions of electric power steering
0: on this car. Like, there are. Did we ultimately determine that it depended on the powertrain? I don't know.
1: I don't know what the fuck the deal is, but load it. Oh, whatever. (laughs) For the moment, I was like, holy shit, it's hydro. As soon as we're at speed, though, I'm like, it. It's dead like it's got nothing coming through on the straight ahead shit it's electric and they just they fooled me um by by just making it heavy effort at parking speeds then we start moving quickly and i'm like no it's it's like in the really good for electric slash mediocre for for hydraulic gray zone but i'm pretty sure it's electric and it's just really good then we came to a stop again and went into a parking lot. I'm like, it's fucking hydro. It's definitely, it's, it is hydraulic. I, we didn't actually determine this. I never found a brake fluid, uh, a power steering fluid reservoir. But um, you
0: did determine it. But we by did by turning it off. By turning the car yeah. off while it's in motion to see if the.
1: Yeah, you can feel the pressure going away. So I think it's an electrically driven hydraulic pump. Mm. And I will say that by Lotus standards, it is not great hydraulic power steering um it would be it's incredibly accurate it's very well weighted and it will talk to you a little bit in the corners when you're doing genuinely insane shit um but that the tactility of the Elise and the original Avora, which was that as you're driving it's just reading the road surface to your hand and the Elise Exige of course are unassisted but the Avora lost nothing with its yeah. power steering I mean it was every bit as Okay, maybe you're missing 10%, but it was all just garbage that you didn't need anyway. Um, this is on par with Porsche's electric power steering, which is to say, fine, but nowhere near. What the mm-hmm. and, and that gave me pause.
0: Mm-hmm. It's probably the, the biggest minus associated with the car.
1: Um, okay, the brakes. There was something wonky with the brakes. We both either... What the hell was it? um this is now a month and a bit ago so i don't know where the hell we are um there was oh the uh, the brake bite there was a little bit of a dead zone and then immediate bite
0: oh so he- heel towing was a little bit uh, <clears throat> inelegant <laughs> yeah
1: you get used to it yeah um the shifter you can see the mechanism in the center console and that's like very spikery
0: yes very cool yeah um it looks expensive yeah
1: Looks expensive. And the shifter was good. Mm-hmm. Not amazing, but good. Mm-hmm. Quite good. Um, the thing that I loved about this car is now the interior is... It's no longer a bitch to get in and out of. It's difficult, but
0: it's... Yeah, they had... they I noticed that they sort of cut away part of the rocker so that you could put your foot on the ground mm-hmm. much closer to where your butt is sitting. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that makes cars really hard to get in and out of. Mm-hmm. So I noticed they had done that. Uh, the power... The engine, of course, is that same Toyota V6. Yeah. So the engine
1: be pissed me off that it kept hitting the rev limiter 100 rpm before the red, red line. line indicated red line yeah and it hits hard i mean it's supercharged so it's pulling really hardest right as it's hitting its limiter so mm-hmm. kind of speaking of inelegance in driving hop, 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 shit you know it just kept hitting the limiter um but that interior is now nice enough that that is a usable everyday car yep
0: not much storage no, the trunk is the trunk I don't is think like,
1: even as big as the Elise's.
0: I think it's about the same size. I mm-hmm. would characterize it as same yeah. size as and no fronts. Yeah, and no frunk.
1: And no real no back seats anymore at all. No,
0: there's like a little shelf lit.
1: Yeah. Um
0: But I think we came to the same conclusion. Right? I think it's one of the few modern cars that both of us genuinely would be enthusiastic to own.
1: Yeah. I think we both said this or a nine eleven and we both answered absolutely just fuck the 911 yeah. i mean i don't say that often because that that porsche is an incredible daily driver but this is an order of magnitude more special yeah um, and just it,
0: entertaining and playful and it has more gorgeous. character and yeah it yeah. feels more extraordinary yeah
1: i mean a gt3 i would have a gt3 over the Avora, and that's down to powertrain and just mm-hmm. general insanity but um but a gt3 couldn't do well on the back road with that Avoided.
0: Correct. Yeah, I, having owned a GT3 Touring, 100% unable to. You do, couldn't
1: keep up with the bitch basket. Yeah, because the
0: front of the car was coming off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I would, for that reason, I would buy it over. I mean, I already owned a GT3 and sold it because I realized that the 964 could do that stuff, and the nine and the GT3 couldn't. Mm-hmm. So you know, given that's a big part of how I enjoy cars. And yeah, 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 so this, the ultimate conclusion is, yes, it's one of the few modern cars that I genuinely am enthusiastic to own.
1: Yeah, I could see totally living with one of those every day um, and interacting with it as a special occasion on the weekend even. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just where 9-11, okay, it's, this, was, this was always the problem with the old Evora versus Boxster or Evora versus nine eleven test. The journalists who don't, I don't want to insult anyone, but but the guys Here who don't. Go. but i'm going to but the, the 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 folks who don't approach this as a as a real consumer look at things differently than i think real consumers do and so objectively is a 911 a better daily driver at, than a lotus yeah, yes it is if you're looking for a better daily driver you buy a camry right i mean if you can have the camry with literally that same engine um But what you, what typically people are more typically they're looking for is something special and something that's an experience. And this, the Amira now is enough of a better experience than the Porsche stuff is without enough, without so many negatives that you wouldn't want to live with it.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's rock dead gorgeous on top of it all. So like this is now where I would say, okay, if we're a 400, I could totally buy, could totally buy, Amira I would. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think that also, you know, why would someone buy a Porsche instead? It's a lot of what people do. It's, it's all very irrational, right? People are doing the thing that they've, you know, I've always wanted a Porsche. This is the way that I'm going to do it. Or, you know, or is what percentage of consumers, I guess is the question I'm asking is, what percentage of consumers genuinely have the calibration to be like this specialness matters to me versus not? You know, there's Porsche sell well because a lot of people just don't have the priority stack or the calibration to really identify what is or isn't better about the lotus experience they just just it doesn't matter okay. to them so they just buy porsches instead
1: i think if you put most porsche buyers in that car they would agree that it's that it's special i i, I agree with what you're saying but i i think i would characterize bmw by current bmw driver yes. that. they're like i am i've always wanted a bmw they were on top of the world forever they make the ultimate driving machine i want one and those cars do not in most cases, most BMWs cases do not m- match up with the ultimate driving machine expectations. What mm-hmm. Porsches do, yes, I think a 911 drives exact almost exactly like a 911 should, and a GT3 certainly does. Yes, mostly. I mean, I think we both wish it was a little bit more nuts, like a little bit more. I
0: wish it had irritable. better. Uh, I wish it had better approach and departure approach yeah. angles and uh yeah i would change the steering and i'd make it smaller and the gearing yeah um and I, I, yeah, i'd yeah, make the clutch i'd make the clutch a little heavier yeah. and uh um, i just wanted it to be a I little think, bit more berserk i think like, that's it yeah you know, that's a lot It's, I, it's, it's made not a different nothing. car yeah. yeah 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 it's it's definitely not nothing right and that's why but I sold it.
1: The other question is, what do you think is a reasonable price point for that Avora? Because we've all heard that, you know, Lotus is sort of like the cars are delayed. Their prices are going up and up and up and up and up. And they started out. was It like high 70s or something originally. And I mean, that's what Avoras like were.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. certainly at a hundred grand, it makes sense uh, based on how much a hundred grand buys you now, because I didn't really realize this until I was reading like a full road test of the um, Integra, type s that mm-hmm. it starts at fifty two thousand dollars yeah like that's wild to me it's so, because
1: you don't realize that the average car transaction last year was fifty one thousand dollars yeah fifty one wow. people are spending a lot of money on cars
0: yeah that's wild to me so you know this car at a hundred grand absolutely if that's if, a, if an integra is you know is fifty two thousand dollars it's so weird to me because my gti was thirty grand new i know Yeah, but they're not anymore. Now they're 40. Yeah. So things uh, have changed. It's funny because a lot of like the shitty used cars that I'm interacting with, you know, like eight grand buys you a hell of a lot of car from in the sort of Facebook marketplace Craigslist sphere that I hang out in. And so I'm just like, yeah, eight grand still, you know.
1: I think part of what happened is that we, most of our lives as adults, there's been no inflation. So cars have really gotten effectively cheaper for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think about like my... I had an 03 E39 525i wagon that was $46,000 and it was it kind of had everything you ever wanted but that's 20 years ago now like and that's you know it seems like yesterday for us but it's 20 years ago and a a well-equipped 5 series wagon if there were such a thing in the US market would be that car would be closer to 100 um, yeah,
0: I mean, like Audi All Roads, I think are like eighty grand. Because I was, mm-hmm. I rented one, and then I was like, "Oh, this would be kind of a fun daily to run around in." Mm-hmm. A six All Roads, and then I got home and configured one. And I was like, "It's in the eighties! What the hell?" I mean, the joke is, like that to me, those are fifty thousand right. dollars cars. Yeah, absolutely. You know, fifty five. A if GTI should be twenty three. Yeah, like a GTI should
1: be twenty three thousand bucks, maybe thirty if it's fully loaded.
0: Yeah, but like the ch- cheapest car you can buy now is like twenty thousand dollars or something oh, like that. Oh, it's be more than that. Like I mean, like a yeah yeah exactly, mirages I think are like sixteen or something absurd like that, yeah. which is absurd to me because that should be like a ninety nine ninety five car, right? But I'm not paying
1: sixteen whole thousand dollars. I mean that's because part of even though you have a tendency to sound sound a little bit stuck up when you're like, well, this one time when I was driving a Delange, I passed a Delahaye, and um, yeah, no but, one knows what any of this shit means. But you you still do play in a shipbox sandbox. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I right? mean, like I'm my like,
0: I was just talking yesterday. I changed the oil on my C forty three, and I was like, man, I freaking love this car. And I paid twelve thousand seven hundred dollars yeah. for it. You should it's, really
1: it's bump a- that up for on the air. So if you go to sell it one day, <laughs> <laughs> he paid
0: thirty seven thousand. No, no. Dollars. If I just do some, substi- like if I put a five four in it, then it doesn't matter what yeah, I paid fair. for it.
1: Um. Yeah. No. I mean, the uh, all of the, uh, with a couple exceptions, every car that I've ever bought is under ten grand. I mean, they're I kind of have the most fun in that. So we stay in this sort of like shipbox playbox, uh, you know, uh, and shipbox sandbox, playground, shipbox playground. That's even better. And you know, the rest of the world is getting much more expensive. And so mm-hmm. these cars. Are, I would. I don't know if I have the. I don't think I could spend a hundred thousand dollars on a new on a depreciating asset. I think I've just worked too hard to save the four pennies that I've been able to you, save. You to wait
0: until they are $70,000 or something like that. I don't know. I because think like, it's not depreciating anymore. Yeah, but it will.
1: Like I thought that when I bought my 911 100 years ago, I'm like, oh, it's 40,000 bucks. Yeah, but your, and I lost your, this th- your
0: Lotus has not. Lotus has that. not. Yeah, that's true. If it's a special enough experience that enough enthusiasts are enthusiastic. Yeah about, the, about the, the way that Sorry, enthusiasts yeah. are by um, definition yeah
1: yeah i just i don't know i'm cheap i'm cheap well although i mean i really would mortgage like you know the house and the other cars to get a aston v12 Vantage S manual i say but I, you know what i say that and then i don't do it yeah because the sales tax alone on that car is more than i paid for most of my other cars yeah it's
0: I can't, mm. All that to say that it's a very fairly priced car at $100,000.
1: Yeah, if you're in the market for... Uh, if anyone talked to me and they were in the mar- market for any hundred dollars to $140,000 Porsche, I would send them right to the Lotus dealership.
0: If you thought that they were the type of driver who would appreciate and enjoy that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I
1: think most people would. I mean, just visually looking at the thing, it's different yeah. enough. And then I interacting with the different I have to imagine
0: that people are driving around in automatic Cabriolet 911s are not... Uh, the type of person who would be like, yes, I prefer the Lotus yeah. experience.
1: But aren't half of Porsche sold manuals, half of 911s uh, or more?
0: Uh-huh. I mean, no, certainly I so. on the GT3 where there was available yeah. in both configurations, the take rate was in the high 60s. High 60s. Yeah,
1: VW just killed off the GTI, the GTI, manual. GTI manual, but yeah. the take rate in the U.S. was over 40%.
0: So what the fuck?
1: Well, here's why. The U.S. GTI is built in Germany. Germany's plant. It is? Yeah.
0: Not Mexico anymore. Not Mexico
1: on a Mark VIII. And so the Mexico plant builds Jetta GLI now and can continue to build manuals. Manuel's. In germany they're, europe they're just done with fucking manuals and they can't get them past they can't cheat the way they do on automatics for the for the emissions testing excuse me optimize and so they're killing off all their manuals
0: i think Volkswagen are learn their lesson they're not optimizing on anything anymore yeah, but they do are just kidding i'm yeah. just kidding <laughs> <laughs> trying exactly.
1: to be funny um they ever look all of them optimize for the test and you can play more games with
0: you can play more that sounds wrong you, you can, can engineer certain behaviors in an automatic car that allow it to yes. to
1: emit less on test when they probably don't in the real world but that's you know that's just the, they're they're complying with the letter of the law and that's mm-hmm. as long as they're doing that everyone's doing it it is the way it is they're having a harder and harder time complying with euro uh, co2 emissions levels with the manuals and even though 40% of the gti's sold in america are manuals 40% of not a lot of cars is not a, enough cars to keep For developing the manual, yeah. and so it's dead after this generation. Um, meanwhile, I just got a text from BMW that over sixty percent of M2 sales are manual. Mm.
0: I think it was over sixty,
1: was over fifty or over sixty. Either Right. So at least M2 is doing well. I mean, this will be. Yeah, the but last
0: Volkswagen one. was too, and they still didn't give a shit. Yeah, but I bet. You're about be, global sixty percent, or you talking about US sixty percent? But I yeah, bet, I bet it globally, it's yeah. Less. But I bet
1: BMW is selling more M2s than than uh, yeah. Volkswagen is Mark Eight GTIs. I've seen three M2s this last week and they've been on sale for a day and I haven't seen a Mark 8 I've seen two of them maybe ever. I just don't think they're selling. Um, yeah, and rightfully not so Americans because they don't want. have buttons.
0: And because they cost so much. Well, And, and compared, the next generation is going to have buttons and fucking window switches and all the rest of the stuff and it's going to be an automatic only. And not sold in the US. I mean, yeah, I could see them doing that because yeah. Americans don't like hatchbacks. Just don't, yeah. we, it's just not our thing.
1: Unless they're SUVs. Uh,
0: yes. And then we love them.
1: Um, Cots, not, not we. They. They. Um,
0: uh, Electra? Should we talk about Electra? Yeah, Elektra that's a great transition we... to,
1: to Electra. So I find the idea of a company like Lotus, who's, whose motto has been simplify and add lightness. Um, by the company's founder. By the company's... F- I mean, he te- technically, that wasn't his motto, right? That was one of his... It's mantras. a phrase. Yeah.
0: That if, if you ask 90% of cars... Oh, Ask every car enthusiast that you can find what Colin Chapman said. If they the first thing they will say, if they know anything, if they have any yeah, right. answer at all, will be this phrase, which right. is simplify and add lightness. Right,
1: and then all that came from racing. Right, you can you can put a five and a half liter V eight in a, a big heavy Ford and kick ass, or you could put a one point two liter four cylinder in a tiny little featherweight nothing and keep up with it. So I love the idea of Lotus's quest for efficient engineering. It's very Honda is very similar, I mean it's much much
0: less. Porsche extent. is also famous for having famous done this for that. in the especially in the 50s and 60s.
1: And so the idea of a heavy s like 6000 pound SUV with a Lotus badge on it fundamentally hurts.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially because it wasn't like a subtle like you know, someone progressively falling off the wagon and becoming progressively sort of overweight over the years. It was like, boom. Yeah. Very discreet it change.
1: 6,000 pounds. It's suddenly more than two and a half times heavier than the next heaviest car they've ever made. That's every gross exaggeration. Never. Yeah. Um, it, what? Six of them weigh more than every Lotus ever produced. Um, <laughs> but... Um, But you know, like Ferrari tiptoed towards the SUV with the FF and the Gt4 Lusso, and it just didn't work. They
0: introduced four wheel drive, and you know,
1: they tried. So you know,
0: and Ferrari was always kind of a brute force company, a lot of displacement. You know, they didn't they didn't have in their DNA this sort of pared back ethos.
1: But Porsche did and jumped headfirst in with Cayenne. So Mm -hmm. I I I have to the 928
0: was a bridge. They made a. F- they made the an 928 automatic. The nine twenty eight was so
1: heavy it fell through the fucking bridge.
0: Exactly. The point is that Porsche had made other products that were automatics <laughs> yeah. and V 8s and kind of snoozy mm-hmm. high speed, you know, autobahn cars. Yeah. I mean, has it's true. Lotus has made. I guess they did the V eight Esprit. But otherwise, they've never made but anything. That car
1: started out as like twenty six hundred pounds
0: or something. Probably less, and for the four cylinder early carbureted cars, if I had to guess. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So it's very discontinuous with Lotus. And then you look at it,
1: and I'm a sucker for green metallic. Like I just had an Alfa Romeo Tonale that I keep forgetting to write a Camisa Verdict on, and I just can't be objective because of that fucking new Alfa green. It's so Mm -hmm. gorgeous. I I never thought I would want it. Verde Montreal. Verde, oh my fucking gato! I don't. Is it was it Montreal?
0: Uh, they use that color I think on the it appeared first on the Julia Quadrifolio right? and I think that's what it is.
1: Oh, it's stunning. And so we drove this Elettra in a similar, not as quite as spectacular, but gorgeous green. Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually notice that it was ugly. Yeah. I mean it is and it looks a little bit like a fish. But mm-hmm. um I didn't actually notice because no, of the, the colour color goes a long way. Um, and
0: the interior went a long way also.
1: Okay. Other than the fact that the dashboard has the two pods on it that look just like the spoiler on the Pininfarina B- Batista, mm-hmm. I can't unsee that. So every time I looked on the inside, I'm like, there's a Batista wing in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that interior is fucking fabulous. Yeah. It's like gorgeous. Top of the, like, I don't even know whose interior is nicer. Um, you'd have to go, I mean, bent, you. Mm, Different, Rol- because Cullinan it's is, very technical. Right, Cullinan is trashy. Yeah. Bel- Bentley, Bentayga, I don't think is as nice as this interior
0: is to... It's flip. also more um, kitsch, I guess, because Bentley is using this motif that has been... Knirling. Uh And the just acres of veneer. Mm. I mean, you can't sell a Bentley and not have that, but it's a very... Um, that's probably the most backwards-looking part of the entire car, because mm. it's a Bentley, it must have that. Yeah. Whereas the Lotus is not true beholden to some sort of consumer perception about oh. what the interior of a Lotus should be. Yeah. So they can be very avant-garde and technical yeah. and not backwards. Well,
1: and they did. Yeah. I mean, it's got every, so in front of both passengers, symmetrical dash and in front of both front seat passengers is a very small readout. And I've sort of always questioned the
0: Acres purpose of, of,
1: well, purpose, the, the purpose of a screen for the in, right in front of the passenger but now this really works because you have a symmetrical dash and in front of the driver is everything you need to know and no other bullshit. There's yeah.
0: not all this over-designed fake analog gauge bullshit. And just real estate also. Yeah. Like it's a surprisingly small amount of real estate. Yeah.
1: And it's low and you have a good sight line over it. And then you have the the center stack and mm-hmm. where all the rest of this stuff is. I think that was a brilliant touch. I think it's got the most beautiful tweeters I've yes. ever seen.
0: The that, general treatment of metal, especially in that interior, is really nice.
1: I mean, the first, if you have a kid and you put a kid in the back of that Electra, they're going to destroy those tweeters because those little fins don't have a guard over them. So yes. they're just going to push them in and squish them. Yeah. Um, it's a great
0: place to put Cheerios. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you were a
1: hellion as a child.
0: No, um, I was extremely respectful in the car. Oh, okay. I, was, I was trained. No Cheerios in the car? No, no, no. We weren't allowed to yeah. eat in the car when I was a kid. Like that that my parents your parents are both car guys like they're yes. both car people yes yes and so um, like the car was always treated with respect like there's cool. stuff that I would not have done as a child mm-hmm. that I watch adults do yeah. to who are enthusiasts to their own cars i'm like mm. you'll eat in your cars though i will eat mostly in my cars mostly because you have to be fed every
1: 10 seconds or you pass yes. out
0: um but uh, i am sort of it depends what it is right also
1: you're not going to eat like ice cream yes and and like cotton
0: candy yeah. Gets Anything that or, gets stuck into perforation. Okay. However, trail mix. Yes, trail you can mix can is okay. Suck out
1: a peanut, it's fine. Yes. Um, so yeah, so I mean so I'm I'm sort of like philosophically a little uncomfortable about the whole idea of an Electra. And then you you get in and you're like, okay, okay. So Lotus has gone like their their USP, their unique selling proposition for this car is that luxury. I'm like, oh, oh okay. And then you hit the gas and it's very
0: festive
1: <laughs> it's it is by an many orders of magnitude the most outspokenly torque vectoring car i've ever driven i knew within i knew nothing about this car i did none of the research we, we didn't, didn't know, know it was gonna be there <laughs> yeah they were like oh well, we've sort of found an electric to drive it yes so we hop in and we make a right turn onto carmel valley road the straight section where it's like 55 and not only just think Fucking catapult forward like it just got hit by the freight train because it's nine hundred horsepower, but it felt like a skid steer pulling into traffic. Like I think we both thought we were sideways, Mm -hmm. like just right up to fifty or sixty, and And I'm like, "Here you are, smiling in a six thousand pound electric SUV." Yep. To which I thought, you know what? If Lotus is going to be different in an an electric world where everything weighs six thousand pounds, lightweight is not going to be part of it. At least they've come up with a driving experience that feels completely unlike yes spilling my uh little red solo cup uh completely unlike anything that i've ever felt in any other car that and in a cool.
0: very entertaining way
1: and it was really wild that we had just driven there in your Citroen CX because the CX has that hydro suspension and it never stops moving. Yes. You're just driving down a road and it just does it's like, like being on a boat, yeah, just a constant, never irritating, never nauseating, nothing of the sort, but it's just a constant it's like motion.
0: It's riding on a creature that's alive.
1: Yeah, but it's not rhythmic. It's like sort of random pogoing off of every corner. And yeah. it's just, it's almost like being in a plane. Like Mm. in a smaller plane where you're just, you know, you're just kind of hitting little turbulences and very slight. And the Electra was exactly the same way. We both were like, what the fuck does this have like such a run hydrodynamic? Because it was so smooth. All right. Mm. The sidewalls were small. So you ever... Minute. So everything you hit was a whack. Mm. Unlike, by the way, the... Amira we forgot to say that we We both hated this how taut the suspension was until we realized that it was so well controlled that you could do shit on exactly so there's a payoff for it therefore it's fine um but the Elettra was really softly sprung and Mm -hmm. just moved around all the time like that Citroen it was wild Mm
0: -hmm. very fluid
1: Mm -hmm. uh so yeah it may not be what it's not an Elise but it's at least has its own distinct personality and so I.
0: Yeah. And it uh, is a genuinely enjoyable place to hang out and do motoring and be unique, which has always been, I think, a strong proposition with any Lotus, is that you're going to do things that other cars do, but in a Mm -hmm. different way. I wonder what the
1: two motor will be like, because this is a three motor, one motor up front, two in the back that provide the torque factoring. I wonder if if the magic would sort of be gone if it didn't have 900 horsepower and wasn't torque factoring.
0: Mm, Yeah. And hopefully they don't change the calibration of all that stuff too much. They might get customer feedback that it's distracting or something. Oh I, fuck them! Yeah, because it was a very early car. Like yeah. it's possible that the oh, production yeah. cars change that lose that character, which would be a disappointment. It would
1: because it was the. Def- I mean, the if you asked me, the de- defining quality of that car, it would be skid steer. Yeah, like but it's that so But then it just
0: cool. it feels alive and has mm-hmm. genuine character, yeah. which is such a strange thing to experience in an yeah. electric SUV.
1: And we came around one big long sweeper uh, <laughs> up a very large hill. And there was no opposite lock, but there was definitely four wheel
0: It was a four wheel drift. Yeah. yeah. The car was pointed one way, but was traveling a different a way. A different
1: way. And we, but it was, it's a 55 zone. We're probably only doing 60. I mean, it doesn't take much on that road. And just kind of coming around this corner, and this Subaru was. Vocal very vocal about cross. their disappointment.
0: Yeah, she was very, very cross.
1: <laughs> she was on the horn from we were a quarter mile away, but she probably was like, what the fuck is this green thing heading towards me sideways? Yes. Um, but we had stability
0: fully on. It was mm. totally fine. Oh, the other thing that... Uh, the the way that it modulates brakes when you stop. Oh, that's right. That was the fucking coolest thing ever.
1: Yeah. Um, BMW and Mercedes started doing this in the late 90s and never got it right. Mm. So that... When you, would you so call it a, a, a limo stop? Is that what yeah, you mean? Yeah, limo stop. So you, if you, obviously if you press a brake pedal and you give constant pressure and don't let go, when you come to a stop, you'll come to a linear stop where your speed drops to zero and then the suspension will rebound and settle back the yeah. other way
0: you get a head head, n-
1: head lurch. exactly yeah. and so good drivers smooth drivers will always lift off the pedal as you're coming to a stop so it's not a hard curve down to zero it's a sort of soft parabola mm-hmm. um this car does it for you yeah and it does it so fucking well you can just boom even in like three-quarter braking situations mm-hmm. like i don't think it adds like especially in yeah. three quarter
0: braking situations.
1: it was like What? We're stopped? It was was
0: very low drama. It was a very luxurious experience. And so then, of course, Jason being Jason is then like, what if it's a full ABS stop? Is it still going to do that? No. Then it stops right the fuck now. Yes. Then it uh, does not do that. But
1: uh, these are questions that the people want to know. (laughs)
0: Yes, of course. Or at least I did. Um, For science.
1: For science. Okay. So we're agreed. Go by.
0: Yeah. Lotus is heading at very interesting direction right now they're making it seems like genuinely world class products for enthusiasts uh, and of course the sort of real world execution always is the the rub you know can they be supported with proper warranty mm-hmm. and customer service and all the stuff that yep. you know enthusiasts well real consumers care about right. And, enthusiasts
1: forgive right and hopefully the fact that the evora is the last internal combustion vehicle that they're ever going to make amira, is enough, amira sorry uh is enough to get people to say you know what now's the time because mm-hmm. it's not going to be bad the world is not ending but it's over for internal combustion i mean boxster's coming it's probably only a year away before we see the next boxster which is electric
0: um, all electric or available all at, electric like the entire, the entire model car line. there's no more there's combustion no engine in boxer version Mm-mm.
1: and not that i know of it's its own new platform and next gen macan full electric porsche is jumping in quickly remember that the best thing to happen f- to volkswagen this is so, so fucked up to say was dieselgate, dieselgate right yeah. they had to it forced the company to really look at all of their internal combustion engines and say we got to. We can't be left behind, and that means killing the diesels very quickly, um, and concentrating on internal uh, uh, on EVs. Mm-hmm. And Taycan was not a success. I don't believe um, commercially. Uh, uh, I, I mean, a successful product. I just don't think it was that compelling of a product. It's beautiful. Um, it handles well. It does Porsche Porsche e things very well, but doesn't put a smile on your face and goes two feet, and then it needs to be recharged again. Um, but I think it. Ultimately, the VW Porsche group will be out further ahead um, because of this. And so, you know, that GT... Because they had a
0: seismic shift caused
1: by Dieselgate, as
0: opposed to sort of like begrudgingly like Toyota is.
1: Like, yeah, or Honda or Mazda or Subaru. They're all just kind of dragging their feet on the transition to electric. And they're both right. The thing is, there is definitely still a market for internal combustion. There is going to be a market for quite some time um, and certainly for hybrids. And so toyota's right in saying hey listen you know we're going to take advantage of this in the interim let other people do all the development let them spend all the money and then we'll copy it off of them when they're done that is a perfectly reasonable business model the question the risk there is that they just get left behind and they fail to have a first mover advantage like tesla did for example Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, so interesting interesting times
0: Mm mm-hmm well, there's still old-fashioned Susie's cars out there. So go buy them. Yep. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Carmudgeon Show. We may even be back next week with more. I hope we are. Me too.